this comes with mixed emotion and mixed appreciation as I share the word of God today and an imperative. And the imperative is, is to all of us, but especially to men and, and young men that are growing in God's plan and purpose for their life. And so the title of the message today is Imperatives of a Godly Man. And we're going to be looking at the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 and 14 is our scripture reference. And so before we started service today, I kind of walked around and I greeted some men and talked to them. And I made sure I looked down at their feet to see it, make sure there wasn't any men wearing any open toe shoes, any sandals today, because uh, it's going to get a little bloody. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but, but we want to just be mindful that there's a great challenge uh, when it comes to uh, being all that God has called us to be. So the message is definitely for all of us. But specifically, I want to spend some time and talk to men so that we can just be reminded and challenged of the things that God has called us to as fathers, as husbands, as godly men. When we think about that, there's three things that God, through the scripture, reminds us of. He tells us to proclaim, to proclaim him, not ourselves. He tells us to protect those that he's given us charge to, to watch over. And then he says to provide, that we would provide and God would do the work in and through us as we provide for our families, as we allow ourselves to be a blessing to others. So maybe some of you have some, some young men, some boys, and it's so important that we allow God to lead us into raising modern-day knights. Because many times chivalry has been found to be dead in our country. There are certain places around society that you go that men don't even open doors for women anymore. I hope that's none of us that we're always caring and treasuring and, and allowing ourselves to model chivalry, to model goodness, to be a knight, to be that one that's willing to stand in the midst of any trial or tribulation, to protect, to provide the word of God and be a blessing to those around us. Maybe also we have daughters here, so we're raising our young men to be modern day knights and we're raising our daughters to watch our example, that the man that they would allow to be chosen to be their husband, we would be an example of what it means to be a godly man, and that we would demonstrate that and show that too, so that our daughters would know what to look for, that they would have a good idea of what a godly man looks like. So I'm going to talk to men, I'm going to talk to our teenagers, I'm going to talk to our young ladies, I'm going to talk to everybody today, amen? And so I thought about this, and I said, well, God, you know, every time Father's Day come around, it seems like the message comes out, and there's a little stepping on toes a little bit. And I said, God, is it just me? Is it because of my background, because of me growing up in a single-parent home? My father died when I was three years old, and when he died, he was in the car with his mistress, and it was just a hard time, and I felt a lot of bitterness and anger towards my dad because I don't have a picture of us ever being together. It was like he just wasn't around, he wasn't there. And the only memory I have in my mind of my dad is when I was looking down into his coffin. That pictures, no other memories and stories of, of him just, you know, chasing and being away and not being, you know, what a father should be. So there was a lot of bitterness and anger. And I said, is that why, you know, I kind of preach a challenging message? And I said, but Lord, I always want to say what you say, not my own, not my own thoughts, 
And so I felt like God was always ministering to my heart to remind men of the great calling that's upon our life. How important it is for us to stand in the gap and fight the good fight of faith. And so when I asked God that question, he said, yes, it's both. It's you and me. That you want to challenge and I want to challenge. And I want to allow men to see the great calling, the blessing, the all that I have for them, that we never miss it. And even when we're doing what we should do for the Lord, that we're sharpened, that we remind ourselves of these very points, that we're in a war, that we're in a battle, that we're fighting for our family, we're fighting for generations, that generations would serve the Lord, that would be saved from a world that's dying, and that there's a great calling on, on men and women's lives. But as God has placed men to be the head of their home, that we would know how important our example is. So look at with me, 1 Corinthians, the 16th chapter, verse 13 and 14. And here's what it says. It says, watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong, let all your things be done with charity, with love. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this word today. We thank you for your blessings upon us. And Lord, we ask you to speak to our heart mightily. Encourage us and exhort us to be all that you've called us to be. Father, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen. So let me take a moment to just kind of share a little bit of the commentary as we look at this scripture passage. And we find it in the book of 1 Corinthians, the 16th chapter, the very last chapter of this book. And so Paul, as we remember in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, there's been so much that's been going on with the new believing New Testament church at Corinth. And so they have come to Christ, they've received them, but there's still some of their own ways that they're holding on to. And so he asks them the question in the first chapter, he says, does it seem foolish? He says, if what we're doing, does it seem like it's just foolish. And he responds and says, it seems foolish to the world, but to them that believe, it is the power of God. He said, this is where we receive power from trusting his word, believing in his, his way and his purpose. So there is an English minister Years ago, in the 1800s and the 1900s, he was writing about these two very verses. And so his depiction of these verses, he said there's two key ideas here. There's a strength that God desires for every man and woman to have, but he also desires that they walk in strength with love. So it's the depiction of being strong and loving at the same time. See, this singular contrast between the first four imperatives that we're seeing here, that Paul is exhorting us, and the last. There's a contrast, but they go together. See, the first is this, that we watch, that we quit. What that word means is to act like men and to be strong. But he says in all of that, 
do it all in love. Be loving. He goes on to say that the former, verse 13, sounds like the word of a command shouted from an officer along the ranks that he's commanding, that he's reminding us that we're in the army of the Lord, that we're in a battle, and he's commanding us to stand fast, to watch, to strike like men and to be strong. And there is a military metaphor running all through this book. The foe threatens to advance. Let the guards keep their eyes open that there is an enemy trying to advance upon us. We need to watch. He comes nearer. He prepares for the charge. So we must stand firm in the ranks, stand fast, in the faith that we have in Christ. So the battle is joined. And he says, quit you like men. See, that has a connotation of being brave, being courageous. Not like a boy, but like a man. Because men strike. Men provide a strong stroke. And a call to be strong in the midst of trials. And then all the methods of warfare is put away. And we see the fifth imperative. And the captain's word of command is softened into the Christian teacher's exhortation. Which means to encourage, to urge us. Let all your deeds be done in love. And although there is a contrast here, there is also a sequence and a connection. You can't have one without the other. See, many times if we're not careful as men, we can think there's this idea of being strong, that we can't be compassionate in love, but the reality of it is they go together. For love is better than fighting and is stronger than the sword. And yet, although there is a contrast here, there is also a sequence and a connection. No doubt there are exhortations, there are urging that Paul is making here in his last words, in these last verses of this last chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians to the Corinthian church, whom he had lavished his love and time and commitment in the details of writing this instruction for the effective Christian life. He asked them if it was foolishness. He responded, it's foolishness to the world, but it's the power of God to them that believe. This exhortation is left in their ears would be that everything should be done in love. Through this book, Paul expressed they were not well grounded in the fundamental doctrines of the faith. See, these are the things why they struggled and they had challenges. He reminded them that they argued about the resurrection of Christ. They weren't settled that he was Savior and thought, it, they needed to add things to it. 
So he reminded them that it's in him we move and breathe and have our being. And so they needed to be challenged to stand fast in the faith, to not be slothful or careless in the discipline of their Christian life. And not to be incapacitated by the various warfare and just want to check out. See, this life is not going to be easy. This war is not for the weak. And if we're not careful, we could check out and be immovable. And be complicit in the things that God has called us to. We see a picture of a sort of a community that Paul is dealing with in Corinth. Which yet he called a church of saints. See, he knew that they had believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And he loved them and he labored with them. So we see Paul trying to summarize the importance of everything that he said in the in the chapter, in the book. And he's making the connection that this is a battle book. This is a drill for the Christian warfare and the Christian life. And so he summarizes by giving them these five imperatives. And so he says this, speaking from his heart to men. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. And let all that you do be done in love. And he reminds us of an example that Jesus is the perfect example of a godly man. God became man. He faced work, fatigue, rejection, religion, friends, was misunderstood by family, and on and on and on. Jesus was tempted just like we, and yet he overcame it all. So as we take a moment to discuss and talk about the importance of godly manhood, as we look at this world, it is harsh and domineering. It's violent. If the last couple of months haven't showed us that. And the domineering is there is a pushing down, a wanting to lift ourselves up by controlling and domineering others. See, Satan's plan is to make us slaves, not to give us freedom. The Bible says, whom the Son is set free is free indeed. And so a godly man is called to not to be harsh, not to be domineering, but to be caring and compassionate. So I just want to spend some time and show you through the scriptures, through these five imperatives, how we can live effective, how we can be strong and trust God through such a harsh and domineering world. 
Turn with me to Ephesians, the fifth chapter, verse 23 and through 27. It says this, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Is that we all have a head. And it's so important that we understand that that's for our good and not our bad. Verse 24, therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. He challenges in verse 25, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. See, that's not a domineering or a, a harsh kind of love, but that's a love unquenchable, self-sacrificing giving of ourselves, pouring out for our wives, for our family, no matter how much it hurts, because that's what Christ did for us. Verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. See, we have a unique opportunity to wash our family. By the word. God has called us to be priests, to be heralds, to be proclaimers of his word. And we are allowed to join with Christ in the saving of the body. See, he does the saving, but he wants us to join with him and wash with the word. That cleanses us from all sin and destruction. He goes on to say that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. See, he's given us a plan there that can submit our family unto the Lord. With the washing of the word, with our example of how to live pleasing in God's sight. And we can't do it without him. That's first and foremost. But let's take a moment to look at these five imperatives. The first one that we see in 1 Corinthians, the 16th chapter, verse 13, is to be watchful. As men, we have to be aware of what is going on around us. See, Matthew, the 15th chapter, 14th verse, Jesus said, If the blind guide the blind, both will fall into a pit. There was a story that of um, my youngest son was walking. We were taking a vacation, and we were walking down the street. And as we were walking down the street, they had these barriers, these poles in the street. He decided, I think he was about 10 years old at the time, that he's going to close his eyes and he's going to see what it feels like to be blind. So he's holding his mom's hand and he's walking down the street with his eyes closed. His mother doesn't know that his eyes are closed, that he's projecting or allowing himself to see how it feels to be blind. And she walks with him and he walks right into the pole. 
Mac. He found out how it is to be blind. At that moment, he needed a guide. And God is giving charge to each of us, especially to men. Be that guide. Be watchful. Be observant. Have your spiritual eyes attuned to see. Unfortunately, most men today are asleep. We need to be attentive. We need to know the condition of our life, our family, and the world around us. See, if we're not careful, we can get into everything that's happening on social media and the world around us, and we will miss what's really happening. See, there's a spiritual war going on. And man, it's so important that we're attuned with eyes to see and not get caught up in the mayhem of everything that's going on around us. It's important that we know what is going on with our wives and our wives' lives and our kids' lives. That we be connected, that we interact. That we're on the journey of living life with them. See, I've had moments where I missed so much. I was working so hard. I was going, being in the military. And I didn't even know my family's life. God spoke to my heart. He said, be watchful. Be attentive. Live life with your family. Slow down. Stop trying to make all the bucks. Stop trying to be general officer. And focus your priorities in the right place. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you felt that way as well. See, the question is, if you continue on the road you are on, what will your marriage and your family look like in five years? Hopefully that's a good answer that just came to your mind. See, the Bible says, without vision, people perish. It's so important, men, that we have vision, that we allow God in and through us so that we maintain focus. The next imperative is to stand firm. The second thing in the list of the five imperatives, he's challenging us not to ride the spiritual roller coaster, not to be high one moment and low the next, not to be up and down, to be on and off, to be hot and cold. Don't waver or retreat. Stand firm. Specifically, Paul says to stand firm in the faith. So it's important that we sharpen our faith, that we fight the good fight of faith. There are so many basic truths on which we stand. So we need to know them. The Bible gives us all of these basic truths that we can stand on. I was reading an article over this past week, and it was a young Christian man, and he was talking about the idea of laziness, and he, he said, don't be lazy. And so I just want to share a little bit of that article because he was 
self-identifying with himself as a young man. He was saying, I've been lazy way too often. Here's what he said. He said, the biggest problem we Christian young men face is laziness. We are surrounded by a world that specializes in the various arts of inflaming selfishness and encouraging laziness. Anybody? Anybody? We have lost what it means to serve and work. We believe the lie that it is better to have a servant than to be one. We have been seduced by laziness. Timothy tells us that you should train yourself to be godly in 1 Timothy 4.7. That we train ourselves to be godly. We are to train, to work up a sweat, to push ourselves to work hard at being godly. No room for laziness. We are all Christians that are striving to be Christ-like. But by creation, man is intended by God to be a head. A head willing to sacrifice himself. Because if the head is cut off, the whole body dies. And I don't know about you, but I've just seen too much of that. Whole generations falling, iniquity, lifestyle of sin, and death has started with one man. So it's important that we serve, to serve the church, our friends, family, wives, girlfriends, children, co-workers. And yet men have been seduced to sell their manliness for the television remote. I didn't say this. This young man said it. He ended it by saying they have a massive responsibility to be a man of God, to be the head, to sacrifice, and are answerable to him for their actions. We're answerable to God. Real men read the word of God, and we build our lives on the word of God. There are doctrines in the Bible there's doctrines about the Bible, about God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. We even put big names on them. For God, we call it theology. For Christ, we call it Christology, the study of. God is just simply saying, learn his word. Learn his way. And allow it to establish you. And cause you to lead in the manner that God always fashions and calls you to. To stand firm. See, we need to know what we believe about these things. Godly men and leaders, take a stand. But when you take a stand, have compassion and love for those we disagree with. See, compassion is not compromise. So often when we disagree, we push others away. 
we injure, we hurt. When God is saying, speak the truth, but speak it in love. Have compassion. The third imperative, behave like men. In other words, he's telling us to grow up. The phrase quit that we see here in the passage means to act like men. Some translations say to be courageous or to be brave. The word quit used in the original Greek means to behave like men. The only place it's found in the New Testament is right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. See, growing up means there's going to be some challenging times that will require more of us. That's going to push us. That's going to challenge us. And as the context suggests, the idea has to do with being courageous and brave in the midst of it. I remember as a young man, my wife and I wasn't, we were only married a few years, and we were, we were talking about an issue, and, 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 and I always want to uh, be a blessing to my wife, I always want to please her. And I realized sometimes if I want to please my wife, I can not please God. And so there was a moment that I felt that vulnerable spot of, of needing to be courageous even with my wife. As great as she is, as wonderful as she is, I knew it was something God didn't want us to do. And I needed to say, we're not going to do that. Say it with love and compassion. But we're not going to do it because God said no. Be courageous. Behave like men. See, 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, verse 11, Paul talked about this a little bit before he gets to chapter 16. He says, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Put them away. So we ask the question, what does it mean to be a man? Let me just think about that a little bit. The things that immediately comes to mind is to say, when we say we're going to do something, to do it. Not make excuses. Be responsible and accountable. Men are given a charge to lead, to be the priest, to be the provider, and to protect our families and others. So, young ladies, I want to talk to you a little bit. Are you listening? All you young ladies that are not married, there's a charge that I want you to just think about. This was stated by a prominent preacher. I'm not going to give his name. But he says, wait for them into godly manhood. Wait for them to grow into a godly man. He begins by saying this. Can I say something to you young ladies here? Can I say something to you? I'm trying to pick my words carefully. Your husband, whoever he is, single ladies, will have an unbelievable amount of influence 
over your sons and daughters in regard to spiritual things. If you want your children to love Jesus deeply, hold out for a man that is godly. And let me tell you this. I am well aware that godly men are rare. Lots of neat Christian boys, not a lot of godly men. And we're working on our tails off for you to try to develop some of them into that. But don't settle, because it's better that you be lonely now than you be married and lonely later. You are, are you tracking me? It's better that you be lonely now than for you to get married to a man that will teach your kids everything but the way of Jesus. There was also a Christian young lady that echoed his thoughts. Her name was Mary Jo Riser, and she said this. She said, be patient. Hold out for a godly man, not just a Christian boy. Not every acorn becomes an oak tree. See, they look cute right now. They neat. They in the church. So you got to wait to when mom and daddy not standing over them to see how they respond. Are they going to follow God? Are they going to trust him? Be watchful for those indicators. If their temptation is overtaking them, step back from them. Allow them to develop into godly men. Be patient. Be willing to be lonely now so you don't be lonely later. Jesus came to this earth as a man in a boy's body. Y'all remember that? A little baby in the manger. He grew in wisdom and stature and in the favor of God and man. He grew. So Jesus amplifies and empowers us to walk in his steps, to live as he lived, and to act like a man. Jesus is a man's man. He drove out the con artists and the swivelers that were in the temple. He stood up for the woman caught in adultery. He called the Pharisees snakes. He told the lady on his way to Golgotha, don't weep for me, weep for your sons and daughters. And he died on that old rugged cross. For you and I. See, he was a godly man. He was a man's man. He had great compassion for others. And he was willing to behave like a man. So the fourth imperative is to be strong. There will be trials and troubles. Godly men, be willing to admit your own weaknesses. And to be strong in the spirit. See, that's what that word be strong means. It doesn't mean, as we see in our society today, men think that 
Being strong means being able to press 300 pounds, dunk a basketball, kill stuff, conquer wars and women. That's not the idea that God is speaking to us through Paul when he says, be strong. See, the reality of it all is we all have been tempted by the power and the lust of this world. We understand temptation is not the weakness. Because Jesus was tempted. But with the temptation, he'll give us a way of escape. See, the true weakness is not walking in the spirit that God has called us to. That's the true weakness. See, the scriptures tell us, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We must be strong to walk in the spirit, as Paul said, pressed towards the mark of the high calling that's in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 6.10 tells us, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord. See that word, and in the power of his might, that word power means deutimus. It's the same word that we use to now say dynamite. See, it means inherent power. To be filled with inherent, active, achieving power. The same power that was in Jesus Christ. Who thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Who was able to endure hardness. Didn't allow himself to be jealous of others. He didn't seek his own. He was able to set the captives free in his home and at work and in the community. He was able to seek and to save those that were lost. And he was faithful to the end. And that same power that was in us, if you call upon the name of Jesus, if you've been pardoned of all of your sins, and Christ lives on the inside of you, you have power. And he says, be strong, O man of God. See, it's power under control. It's not like dynamite in itself that it just explodes. But real men exercise self-control by being under the Spirit's control. Allowing the Spirit of God to rest in ruling you. To order your steps. To keep you under control. And allow his great power to be manifested in you and through you. And in the fifth imperative, in everything that you do, do it in love. Verse 14 says that all that you do be done in love. Men don't like this Sabbath stuff, you know that? See, some men say the Bible and Jesus and the church isn't for men, it's for women and children. That is a lie from the pit of hell. We need real godly men who are in love with Jesus, in love with their wives and their kids, with God's word, the church, and the things of God. 
men who are not angry, violent, crude, rude, or abusive, that are willing to tell your families and others that you love them, willing to give somebody a hug, to be compassionate to a fault. Let them talk about you. It's going to be all right. The truth is God's word was written and his way is familiar. Just let, look at Jesus who was fully an ultimate man. He was compassionate and courageous. He was tough and tender. And Paul wrote these words in 1 Corinthians 13 too, which we call the love chapter. He says, if I have not love, I am nothing. Nothing. You can't even begin to do anything of substance without love. So these five imperatives urging us, challenging us as people and as men to be watchful to be strong, to act like men, to stand firm in the faith. And in all of that, let love be fulfilled in us. And if we do those things, we'll watch our families, our community, our world be transformed from the inside out. And so I challenge us all, allow God's word to transform our life. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, let's get that settled today. Let him be the foundation of your life. Don't hold on to anything else but Jesus Christ and his faithfulness. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this time. Lord, we thank you for the imperatives that we have to be godly men and women and children, to stand on your promises, to seek your face, to be reminded we have a great calling in you and we have power because of the blood of Christ 